song with me, all right? We're going to start off singing a little song this morning. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart Tuesday. Now, see, when I was a kid, I always thought it was Tuesday. I got, my, I got the joy in my heart on Tuesday. The rest of the week, I'm a miserable grump. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. was a member of the U.S. Supreme Court for 30 years. His mind, wit, and work earned him the unofficial title of the greatest justice since John Marshall. At one point in his life, Justice Holmes explained his choice of a career by saying, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. This morning, we're going to begin our look at the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to look at uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 real quick. And uh, we're just going to read that real quick. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, we just got done talking about the Holy Spirit throughout the month of January. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the seal of the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to turn our attention to this little passage, these two verses in the book of Galatians, and Paul's listing of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a list of qualities that the Holy Spirit brings out in a Christian's life. Gone are the pettiness, the bitterness, the anger, the greed. Instead, <coughs> excuse me, the Holy Spirit fills up the Christian with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we just read that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And against these qualities, there is no law. Now, the first characteristic in that list is love. But I'm going to save that for a couple of weeks from now to kind of coincide more with Valentine's Day. Aww, Valentine's Day is coming. Yay, another Hallmark holiday. You ever think it's, you know, it's like uh, Hallmark and the rose industry together? Never mind. Yes, we will get them to spend lots of money just to tell each other that they love each other. Uh, this morning, we're going to take a look at joy uh, instead of love. We're going to take a look at joy. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about peace. And then we're going to talk about love. We're going to go back to love. So uh, it's the second quality of the fruit of the Spirit that is listed. And we're going to discover, this morning, we're going to discover the source of joy in our lives. We're going to find out why we should have joy in our lives. And finally, we're going to see how we can have joy in our lives even in the midst of difficult and harsh circumstances. The New Testament has a lot to say about joy. It really does. There, there's joy all over the place <coughs> in the New Testament. And uh, we're going to look at several different passages of Scripture this morning to give us a better handle on this thing called joy. Now, i got a question for you. How many of you would say, right there where you sit, that you live a, a pretty joyful life? Honestly, you live a joyful life. Oh, that's, all right, well, let's... Let's, Nikki, come back up. We're going to sing because apparently we got a handle on joy, you know. Well, all right. For the rest of you who, you know, don't feel like you live a joyful life, we'll, 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 we'll you know, the rest of you can go to sleep and, and you know. Uh, first, we're going to pray and then we're going to talk about uh, joy and uh, discovering the source of joy in our lives. Father God, 
Sometimes it's hard to have joy. And sometimes we confuse joy and happiness. And God, I pray today that through this sermon, that you'd help us get a better handle on this thing called joy. That you would give to us the joy of our salvation. That through your Holy Spirit, that we would have just outrageous, incredible joy that is infectious to one another and to this world. There's just not enough joy in this world, God. It's because not enough people know Jesus. So I pray that uh, through this sermon today, that you would help us to be more joyful. And uh, thank you for your word, which tells us how to have joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first thing we're going to discover this morning is the source of joy. Now, uh, let me state clearly that happiness and joy are two completely different things. Happiness and joy are two completely different things. Now, it sounds kind of strange, you know, because we tend to think of joy and happiness being together. You can have joy without being happy. Huh? You can have joy without being happy. It sounds like a contradiction, but it isn't. We're going to talk more about that later. I want to talk about the source of our joy, and we're going to see what the Bible says about that source. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 6 says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. For you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17, and 18 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Acts 13, 49-52 says, The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust from their feet and protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 10, 17 through 21, the disciples returned after an extended time away from Jesus. Luke wrote, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice excuse me, that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus Full of, the joy, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, this was for your good pleasure. Now, we have seen in four different examples in the, book, in the New Testament <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit gives joy. The Holy Spirit is the source of joy. Um, we must remember that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 that we read earlier, Paul says that one of the qualities of a Holy Spirit-filled Christian is joy. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives is to give joy. Now, if you were to travel throughout Europe, okay, now Shannon's done this, I haven't. Unfortunately, these are not her pictures, these are uh, pictures from the internet, um, but if you were to travel throughout Europe, you would see examples of Baroque architecture, especially in Vienna. It is a manifestation of confidence in the future and a delight in the, presence, in the present. It is flamboyant and elegant, but never showy or ostentatious. Above all else, it is joyful and triumphant, an attempt to express these inward emotions in the outward forms of art and architecture. 
Whatever our tastes in art and architecture, we certainly want to possess an inward confidence in the future, an inward delight in the presence of Christ, and a sense of joy and victory. So where does that inward confidence in the future come from? How many would you, you would say this morning, yes, I have an inward confidence in the future? Not so many. Some of you are joy, a lot of you are joyful, but not so confident. Okay. How do we have that inward delight in the presence of Christ? How do we have that sense of joy and victory? God's own Holy Spirit provides these things. The Holy Spirit dwells within the heart of every believer and gives us joy in knowing God. The Holy Spirit reminds us of God's promises and assures us of their fulfillment in the future, and we have joy. The Holy Spirit works in each, in each of us each day, uh, changing us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. You know, we don't talk much about the Holy Spirit in the Christian churches and the churches of Christ. Uh, we, we tend to be more conservative, and we don't want to be accused of being charismatic. But the Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is real, and it really works in the lives of Christians. You don't have to, be, you don't have to speak in tongues to be Pentecostal. We all live in the shadow of the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and they began to speak with boldness and power from on high. The Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of every believer, and we need to tap into the power of God's Spirit in our lives. We need to pray for God's Spirit to be made manifest in our lives and to change us and make us more Christ-like. Part of being Christ-like is having joy. <clears throat> I believe that Jesus was the most joyful person who ever lived. I believe that Jesus was just filled with joy because Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. I imagine that Jesus loved to laugh and that he truly enjoyed life for he had perfect intimacy with the Father. You know, we see the pictures of Jesus. Uh, you know, there's that one famous picture of Jesus. In fact, it's, it's up on the wall back there. You know, and, and Jesus is looking heaven, heavenward and he looks so, I don't know, Jesus-like. <laughs> and, you know, and, 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 and it, it's so solemn. And, and, and so, you know, we have this image of Jesus as, I'm the Son of God. Almost as if he floated above the ground everywhere he went. I believe that Jesus was filled with this incredible joy because he, he truly had perfect intimacy with the Father. He, he, he experienced the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit more so than any other person could, for he was not tainted by sin. And I believe that Jesus was just joyful. There's a reason why people flocked to him. There's a reason why people followed him. Wherever he goes, wherever he went, there were just crowds and crowds of people trying to get to him. Now, some of them were attracted to him because he could do miracles. But I think that Jesus' joy was infectious. And, 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 and think about people that you know who are joyful people, truly joyful people. You just want to be around them. You, know, you don't want to be around uh, the Mr. Potters of this world. <laughs> If I can quote, if I can steal from It's a Wonderful Life. We don't want to be around those, the, the grumpy people. They're no fun to be around. But the people who are joyful, I mean truly joyful. Not just happy-go-lucky, but joyful. Those are the people we want to be around. Those are the people we want to be. And I believe that that's the kind of person Jesus was. That he was very, very joyful. And that people wanted to be around him. That Jesus was the most joyful person who ever lived. Um, if we are going to be like Jesus, we must let the Holy Spirit work in our lives and produce joy as well. And again, happiness and joy are not the same things. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. We're going to talk about how we can have joy even in the midst of the difficult circumstances of life. 
I believe that happiness depends upon our circumstances. Joy does not. I can be unhappy, and I can still have joy. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. The first thing that we have to realize about joy is that the Holy Spirit is the source of joy. And we need to tap into the Holy Spirit's power in order to reveal, uh, in order to have real and lasting joy in our lives. The second thing we have to realize about joy is that joy is a result of salvation. David, in Psalm 51, verse 12, says, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David had sinned with Bathsheba and he had murdered her husband. When he was confronted with his sin, he realized what he had done and he wrote Psalm 51 as a response to his sin. He realized that joy came from the Lord and from the salvation that only God can give. Paul said in Philippians 1.18 that he rejoiced because Christ was being preached. It did not matter if Christ was being preached out of false motives or if he was being preached out of true motives. The gospel of Jesus Christ, which is salvation for all people, was being preached. Matthew 5.11 and 12 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. This passage is taken from the Beatitudes. The disciples were to, reward, to rejoice, because great was their reward in heaven. In other words, they were to have joy because they were saved. Because they were saved, because they were going to heaven, which is a result of salvation. They could have joy. Even in the midst of persecution, the disciples could have joy because they were assured of salvation through Jesus Christ. Revelation 19, 6-8 says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has, been made, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Why is there joy in heaven? Why is there rejoicing by the multitude of saints? Because the wedding of the Lamb has come. Christ and His bride are made one. How does that happen? Through the atoning death of Jesus Christ on a cross. Salvation comes to all who will believe in Jesus. And they will be present at the wedding of the Lamb. And, the wedding of the, uh, the wedding, uh, and they will have joy. People have pursued joy and happiness in every kind of way. Every avenue imaginable. Some have found it successfully, others not so much. Perhaps it would be easier to describe where joy cannot be found. Not in unbelief. Voltaire was an unbeliever of the most pronounced type. And he wrote, I wish I had never been born. Not very joyful. It's not in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure, pleasure if anyone did. And he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. Not very joyful. It's not in money. Jay Gould, an American millionaire, had plenty of that. And when dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. Again, that ain't joy. It's not in position and fame. Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both. He wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. It's not in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. Having done so, he wept in his tent before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. So where is real joy found? It's a very simple answer. Real joy is found 
in Christ alone. I mentioned earlier that joy is a result of an inner confidence. But in who or what are we to have confidence? The answer is not ourselves. We are weak and fail creatures who have fallen short. We have sinned. The answer is not our works. The good deeds that we can do cannot earn us a ticket to heaven. We cannot earn God's salvation. We cannot earn God's love or His grace. The answer is Jesus Christ. We can have confidence in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 14-16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It is because of Jesus Christ that you and I can have confidence in our salvation. Not because of anything that we have done. It's not because of anything that that we're able to do, but because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Jesus Christ died on a Roman cross nearly 2,000 years ago so that our sins could be forgiven. He was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect sacrificial lamb that could take away the sins of the world. And we are not saved by our good works. We're not saved by our good deeds. We are not saved by going to church. I'm not saved by preaching a sermon. We are saved only through the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. We can have confidence in the sufficiency of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We can have confidence that we are saved because of what Jesus did. Are you living with confidence? Are you living with joy and confidence? Do you know that Jesus... I talk to people, and, I, and, and you can just tell that a lot of Christians don't have confidence in their salvation. You go to heaven, what do people say? I hope so. Well, I hope so. What do you... <laughs> I hope so. Did Jesus die for your sins or not? Yeah. Do you believe in him? Yeah. Were you baptized? Yeah. Well, then you're going to heaven. And, and, and we, don't, we don't have enough confidence in this. And, and again, it's not in anything that I've done. It's not in anything in me. It's not, it's not how good I've been. It's not how bad I've been. It's about how good God is. It's about how good Jesus is. It's about how he died for our sins. He paid the price once And for all, we can have confidence. We can have confidence that we are saved because of what Jesus did. And that confidence gives us joy. No matter what is going on around us, no matter what happens, we can have joy because of Jesus and the salvation that He alone can give. The Bible says that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. It is only through Jesus Christ. And I am trusting in Him alone for my salvation. And I pray that you are too. And that that blessed assurance gives you joy this morning there where you sit. The source of joy in our lives is the Holy Spirit. The reason for joy in our lives is the confidence of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now I want to talk about how we can have joy even in the midst of uh, difficulty. Even Even in the midst of the difficulties of our lives, How can we have joy? You see, joy endures through harsh circumstances. Joy endures through harsh circumstances. There are several Bible passages that talk about having joy in the midst of trying times. James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Hebrews 12-2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had joy, even knowing that he was going to be crucified. In 2 Corinthians 7, 4, Paul tells the Corinthian church, I have great confidence in you. I, have, I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 says, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Paul tells the Corinthians that the Macedonian church uh, even in the midst of severe trial, that they still had joy. Even in the midst of extreme poverty, they still had joy. Luke 6, 23 says, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. How many of you have leapt for joy lately? Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. Even when the disciples were being rejected, insulted, excluded, and persecuted, they could have real joy. 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Participating in the sufferings of Christ should give us a reason for joy. Perhaps the most mind-boggling story in all of Scripture to me is this one. In Acts 5.40 and 41, the disciples were arrested and flogged for preaching in Jesus' name. How have you saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ? All right, you remember what happened to Jesus in the movie? What happened, I mean, in, not just in the movie, but Jesus was flogged, right? Excruciatingly, terrible to watch, painful to watch as, as, they, as they scourged him, as they flogged him. They flogged the disciples in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. They, it says they had him flogged. Verse 41 says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Perhaps the most mind-boggling story in all of Scripture to me is that one right there. They were flogged, beaten by the Sanhedrin, by the Jewish leaders. And they went away, what? Rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy to suffer because of his name. Is the Bible really telling us that we can have joy even in the midst of trials, sufferings, persecution, and pain? It's exactly what the Bible is saying. Does having joy in the midst of harsh circumstances mean that we're going to approach every day with a great big smile on our faces? By no means. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have bad hair days. We're going to be unhappy. There are going to be days where we're going to be unhappy in this life. I don't think that anyone has ever faced persecution with a big old goofy grin on their face. Come on, bring it on. I don't think so. But even as we face the hardships of this life and the pain and persecution that comes from being one of God's own, we can still have joy. We can have joy because we know that there are those who have gone before us that have faced pain and persecution for their faith as well. We can have joy because though we may be excluded or persecuted, great is our reward in heaven. Wrap your mind around that. You want joy? Keep that thought at the forefront of your mind. Great is your reward in heaven. No matter what difficulty you are facing this morning, God wants you to experience true joy that comes from knowing Him. And I know that that is hard. I know that there are people, that, that there are people here this morning who are facing circumstances that 
that they, they can't even describe. I know that, that you're sitting there this morning saying, Sean, you don't know what I'm going through. How can I have joy when my heart is breaking? How can I have joy? How can I have joy? How can I make it through? I don't even know how I'm going to get through to tomorrow. You don't know what my situation is. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after. You don't know what my week is like. You don't know what my life is like. How can I have joy? How is that possible? How can God want me to have joy and let me go through this? Like I said, joy and happiness are two different things. God wants to give you joy. He wants to give you the joy that is given by his Holy Spirit. He wants you to have the joy that comes from the confidence of knowing that you are saved through Jesus Christ. Trials and troubles are a part of this life. They are. Temptations, tribulations, trials, troubles. We all got them. We're all in this thing together. Uh, If I were to ask every one of you this morning, have you ever had a day without trial? You ever had a day without trouble? Ever have a day without tribulation? Ever have a day without temptation? I know the answer. It's the same for all of us. We're all in this boat together. Someone you love passed away. Someone you love hurt you. Someone you love rejected you. A job abandoned you. It's hard. It's tough. How can you have joy in that? Because there is a God who cares about you, who loves you, who knows what you're going through, who sees what you're going through. And even though we have rejected him, even though we have turned away from him, even though we have turned our backs on him, he still loves us. And he still says, you are my child. And I still want to save you. Joy comes from in here. Again, that's not always joy. There will be days we're going to be more like Eeyore than we're going to be like Tigger. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. How we respond to the trials, tribulations, temptations, and troubles of this life is what counts. When those days come, and they will come, what you are facing right now, how will you respond is what makes the difference. Will you remind yourself, remind yourself of the joy that is yours because of the faith you have in Jesus Christ to forgive your sins? Will you remember that you are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and have joy because he has gone to prepare a place for you and is going to return soon to take you to your heavenly home? Folks, when you're going through it, when you're going through the ringer of life, when life is crashing in around you, you got to remember 
there's a place. It is so unlike this place. And Jesus has promised to go and prepare a place for us. And that he is coming back again. It may be the last thread of hope that you have. You may be at the breaking point. And it may be the last thread that you're holding on to. <clears throat> but it's a thread that will not break. It's a thread that cannot be cut. And that is the thread of heaven. That's how we get through. Knowing that there is a place that is unlike this place. There is a place that has been prepared for us. And Jesus has promised to come back and get us. And take us to be where he is. No matter what we're going through, you can have joy. Even in the midst of harsh circumstances, even in the midst of trials and troubles, tribulations and temptations. There was a third century man who was anticipating death and he penned these words. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome this world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. You remember our song? The song we sang at the beginning? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down. Now, you sang it with a lot more exuberance at the beginning of the sermon. <laughs> so it tells me I really, really depressed you through this sermon, which is not good. A sermon on joy should not depress the congregation. We got the joy in our hearts. We need to let it show on our faces. <laughs> That guy in the third century talked about Christians, people who have discovered a joy that is a thousand times better than anything this sinful life could offer. See, we got a job to do. Part of loving God, loving others, and spreading the gospel, that last part, spreading the gospel, means being different. The world looks at Christians and wants to know, what is so different about you? And when the world looks at us and says, there's nothing different about you, you're no different than me, you're no different than anybody else, then we've got a problem, because we are to be different. And I think that one of the best ways that we can be different is to have joy. Remember, joy comes from the Holy Spirit. Joy is a result of salvation. And joy can endure through harsh circumstances. It ain't easy. But you're not alone. Jesus has promised to go with you. And to come back for you. And to take you home. That's where joy comes from. We offer an invitation every Sunday. To get that Holy Spirit, to get that joy, you've got to have Jesus. At this time of invitation, 
we invite you. If, if you don't have Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we invite you to come forward and do that today. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins but you haven't been baptized, you need to come forward. You need to get baptized. If you uh, have been worshiping here with us for a while, and we offer an invitation. Uh, if you want to join our congregation as a member, we invite you to do that too. Or if you need someone to pray with you, we got elders who come up front, they'll pray with you. Folks, I know it's hard. I know life is tough. I know it beats us up every day, you and me both. But if we're going to be different, if we're going to make a difference in this world, if we're going to show people that there is something great about being a Christian, we got to have joy. You got the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. Just let it out. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy that only you can give. And I pray that you would help us to be joyful people. That your Holy Spirit would fill us and, and that you would remind us of the joy of our salvation. That you would remind us, God, give us that confidence, knowing that we are saved through Jesus. Help us to be like the disciples who were so joyful. Help us to be like Jesus, who was so joyful that even though he was going to be crucified, he saw joy in it. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.